Hello, my name is John Jacob and you're listening to an episode of the Thoroughly Good Podcast, an unplanned, serendipitous conversation about classical music. This episode features pianists Charles Owen and Katia Apekashiva, both of them pianists, teachers and artistic directors of the London Piano Festival. The festival is a five-day series of concerts that runs from the 3rd to the 7th of October at King's Place in London, and it features appearances from Stephen Kovacevich, Pavel Klesnikov and Samson Soy, in addition to a whole host of other performers. Charles Katia and I met at King's Place in London on the 10th of August 2018 and we talked about Debussy, the performance experience and the challenges of running a festival. They provide some highlights of the festival programme towards the end of this podcast which runs to just over 36 minutes. But the thing I'd really like to know is uh, Katia, what work were you doing uh, the last time you forgot time altogether? Actually I think it was... just now in Australia, the Ravel Piano Trio um, was a very special experience for me. I was playing with two most exquisite string players, Alexander Sitkovetsky and Istvan Vardai. Um, and we only three of us rehearsed at the festival and just had most amazing musical rapport and uh, understanding and chemistry. And it was the last concert of the festival, so particularly lots of adrenaline and uh, yeah I think I was completely in the music and, and uh, yeah unforgettable one, one of those things I think musical I'm sure Charles will agree sometimes mm-hmm. you get these experiences that you just stay with you forever and it makes it all worthwhile yeah. those concerts incredible moments what is the moment what is the experience like coming out of that Nice when you have a lot of applause. <laughs> right. So does the does the, does the applause break it then? Uh, does the applause have the same the same effect as say the thunderstorm after an extended period of of intense heat? Well, th- or is that part of the experience? I, th- I think it is part of experience because it's not the same as actually performing. Mm. But I, I think when you feel the and, and I remember the quiet, the audience has been so quiet, so you really felt. I think you can f- one can feel the vibes from the audience when they're really, you know, sort of in so engrossed in music and and uh, yeah and and then we we basically we had a standing ovation. It was it it was a fantastic feeling. I, I as a as an audience member, I experienced the same thing where I'm in a concert um, and suddenly I, I heard Vaughan Williams at the Problems last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was the London Symphony, and it was almost as though everybody in the audience was just leaning in. And it was the most magical experience. Uh, I wonder how that affects you as a performer. Do you have to? I do you have to be aware of that experience and not ride with it, or do, do you see what I mean? Because as an audience member, I remember sitting there going, oh, "I want this to go on forever." Do you have to be quite controlled about being aware of that experience? at the same time as doing the job in hand? Oh God, it's, it's very difficult to, uh, to answer that. I mean, you just, I don't know, it's everything, all the elements coming together, I guess, you know, you're, you're so highly concentrated on what you're doing and feel you're part of, I think the most magical thing is when you really can forget about technical difficulties or controlling things, that you're part of, part of music, you just, 
part of the element of the music. I, I, I don't know the better way to describe mm. it. And and I think the audience, the energy and the electricity from you know people listening, the, the intensity with which people listen to you could help create this moment. Mm. That's why it's magical. Is that something you can train people to do? Train? Yes. Mm, teach. No. no. Okay. Actually, this is. I wasn't looking for you to do that for me. But <laughs> no, no, you can teach many things and you can definitely help somebody to, to get to this moment, you know, or, you know, but you can't teach that now. So uh, people have either got it or they haven't got it. Oh, I have I put you on, put you on I, spot? I, I, well, I think so. I, th I think you need to have some special musical gift. I mean, you can develop it, you know, or, you know, sort of, in, in, enhance it. You, you can get better. You, go, you can go deeper, but you need to have some initial talent gift. Um, Charles, who has offered you the most useful career advice, and what was it? <laughs> oh wow, that's being put. Has on. that knocked you sideways? It's yes. I Brilliant. mean, uh, yes, slightly. I'm trying <laughs> to think. <laughs> Uh, there's be it's just I can't single out one individual piece of advice I think mo perhaps if I could think of one person who's been a huge influence on me and in fact also inspired both of us it's um one of the patrons of our festival Imogen Cooper a very great British pianist and wonderful lady um, and she taught me a lot in my early 20s when I'd already graduated from college and she gave me some private master classes she taught me a lot about how to project in a concert hall how to make your sound travel in a hall right to the back of the hall not just a question of volume question of pedaling uh, articulation tone timing all these things um, she taught me that which I really still draw on and she taught me to be patient uh, patient with music and that it was going to take many many years to get under the skin of certain masterpieces and to accept that it's going to take many many performances to get really comfortable is maybe the wrong word on the stage but we were just talking about with Katia you know to, to achieve those moments on stage where you feel so at ease you've digested the music you're deep into the music and that you're able to you the ego is able to disappear totally and the music comes out most strongly and then hopefully if there's a great audience too that can add an extra component so yeah i would single out imogen cooper if I may. um there are two things that come out that emerge from that which i'm desperate to ask which is uh, number one is does that suggest that before she taught you to be patient you were impatient Yes. <laughs> right, okay, just so that we've nailed that. Yeah. In what way were you well, impatient? Well, she and also the, we, Katya and I shared, uh, we had a wonderful Russian teacher, Irina Zaritskaya, and she was the very first person who made me aware of patience. Um, How are you displaying your impatience? Um, wanting to play the most difficult pieces imaginable as a teenager. Right. And I see this in teenagers nowadays. Right? <laughs> what is the motivation? Uh, I mean, do you remember the motivation for wanting to play the most difficult pieces? Just piece? because... They're it was just cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, okay. Right. You know, um, so a certain yes. amount of peer validation then, Maybe if it was cool. Yes, and also you know, when you're growing up as a, a young pianist, you're aware of certain iconic pieces. I mean, difficulty. I mean, that word can cover complexity, effective, effective. effective. even even if even even 
it, you know, in musically very, very difficult. And there are two basic schools of thought for you know, teachers of music. They say, no, 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 you're not ready for Brahms concerto, da da da, or Beethoven sonata, or whatever it is, or Ravel. Uh, you have to wait. You have to play da 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 da. But yeah, be- become mature and work your way through all these other pieces first. And there are other teachers who say, do you know what, young man, young woman, jump into the swimming pool in the deep end and let's see if you can swim. <laughs> right, <laughs> slightly more, slightly more brutal approach then. Yeah, so there's uh, yeah. basically two approaches, two opposites. Uh, so, um, how did Imogen? Oh, she, did she throw you in at the deep end? Is that was that her approach? Um, she kind of did, but she, I think she, what she painstakingly revealed in the lessons how much depth. Um, great, great works like I say, a Schubert, big Schubert sonata have, and. I remember her repeating, asking endlessly, you know, I want to hear this phrase again and try this and have you noticed that in the score? And as a lot of young people just want to get through as much as possible, um, I mean, I'm, again, I'm generalising for it to be effective, but it's that digging deep. That's the, the big lesson, I think, for any, any actually any creative artist. Um, on, be they on stage or painting or sculpting in yeah, a studio. A lot of thinking time, not just playing. Yeah, definitely. Not just spent by the piano. Mm. It strikes me that that is comp- that is kind of at odds with how the other end of your work is needs to be conducted. Essentially, what we're doing here is we're marketing the London Piano Festival, which is yes. essentially, without wishing to reduce it down to its lowest common denominator, mm-hmm. it's about selling tickets. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and actually, there is a certain pressure with selling tickets. Mm. That there needs to be a certain amount of time devoted to doing it. Yeah. Audience comes in, listens, mm. performer performs, and that's it. And yet, actually, the preparation for that, mm. that you have to go through, both in training and in preparing for the concert, is completely at odds with mm. the mechanics of the event. Does that... Yeah, well, I mean, it's a massive thing. And I mean, when we started this festival, which was our dream both of us and uh, you know it was a lovely inspiring idea but I think none of us really realized the amount of work that comes with it and, and as organizers not just as p- pianists and we mm-hmm. obviously were playing in the festival as well so we have to deliver but uh, just yeah the build-up to it is massive. And like you say, it's only you know a few days of the Sorry, festival. Sorry, I don't want to frighten no, you. No. I realise you're very tired after mm-hmm. your flight. Um, <laughs> but what, what uh, in going through that process, what surprised you? The amount of work. Yeah, no, I mean, it is. Uh, yeah, yeah, I am now digging deep yeah. <laughs> or yes. deeper for, yes. for a bit of deep. What you know, what specifically in terms of that work, what what made you go? I I really wasn't expecting this. Just. Well, uh, sorry, uh, do you want to... Uh, okay, I'll take over a little. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. It's, it, it's, the, uh, it, it, it's being on top of all the programmes, contacting all the artists, making sure everything fits together, having meetings with our uh, designers, having meetings with our wonderful PR team at Albion and all these things that go together to make the festival become a very memorable event um, I think I should point out this is our third festival yes. every we started two years ago in uh, 2016 the first festival was the hardest of it in many ways because yeah, we had, had no to. idea we were learning the ropes in the run up yeah, we had to think of a name of festival we had yes. to create a logo things mm-hmm. like this and yeah. nobody was going to do it for us we had to make final decisions and approve things and yeah. suddenly it's a lot of mm. 
grown up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Yes, what, yeah, now I get you. Very, <laughs> yeah, suddenly what, I've got to be an adult. It oh, was no. very interesting because, you know, we've both attended many festivals different chamber music and all sorts of things uh, over the years and some of them are run by uh, sort of a, a team of people others are run by an individual often an individual musician and I'd never fully I think the same for you Katia never fully appreciated how much work that individual musician has to do aside of uh, playing and I remember thinking once oh, so and so is always looking down at their iPhone the entire time <laughs> but the second they stop <laughs> rehearsing it's a bit rude isn't it you know um, now, and now do you look at your iPhone um, the <laughs> uh, in the run up I remember being at another festival in the weeks before and every spare second spent finalizing programs i mean it's and yeah dealing and logistics with m- like yeah. practice you know mm. like the yeah. performers have to somewhere to rehearse with pianos yes. and especially for two piano events even yeah. harder you have to make sure you have two pianos available yeah. and you're both yeah. playing in the opening concert yes. as i concert. recall yes. from yeah. the it, it's <laughs> our <laughs> concert okay we'd suggest that the rest are not we did it last year for the first time for the opening f- with the two of us because it was a way of presenting you know who we are in the first half we each play a solo group and in the second half the two Steinways are pushed together here at King's Place Hall 1 and we play two pianos together so we say you know here we are as individuals here we are as a team and I think audiences are enjoying that variety more and more in a concert uh, instead of you know just traditional yes format of recital totally breaking that mold a little bit you said it was your dream didn't you Mm. I'm sure you said it I'm sorry to point I know it's terribly (laughs) rude but um, uh, you said it was your dream the the question I did uh, want to ask you was I'm aware that there are loads of events in London alone Mm. loads of events Mm. everywhere and and I suppose I'm, I'm interested in understanding Given the amount of work that is involved in putting on a festival, why would you want to put on another festival? Well, we, we thought of, um, Charles and I go back many years, we've been friends. For many years we had the same piano teacher, and uh, Charles speaks fluent Russian. Do you? So, which is adds to our Not friendship. Not bad. Hello. Yes, there are lots and lots of chamber music festivals, but we always thought it would be fantastic to create the piano festival, mm-hmm. so centered around the piano. And um, I think this is the only instrument which can take the whole festival built mm-hmm. around it. Mm-hmm. So uh, we just, we, we kept talking about it in our rehearsals whenever we met, mm-hmm. what can we do? And of course, because of the our connection with King's Place, we haven't performed here mm-hmm. quite a few times beforehand. We thought, well, this is an amazing place with two brilliant Steinways. So that's how it all started. Need to, the pianos are important then, yeah. obviously, oh, given yeah, that yeah. it is a piano festival. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what there's not so many venues which can boast. Are there not? Well, I mean, you know, we looked into doing something outside of London possibly but then you've already got the massive logistics and cost of hiring in well if we wanted two pianos especially each program each festival has two piano concerts which is very very exciting and it's a little bit different you don't get so much of that in even in London no, you know in capital, I'm surprised yes, you don't yeah. get that many um, and w- so we thought you know, to have a venue like this we're both North Londoners I mean I could even walk home from here and so can yeah. Katya yeah. okay yeah, which right. is a, you know it's a lovely <laughs> thing it's it's it's, it's, it's near it by it's very welcoming it's contemporary um, so you've built a festival that's close to home yes <laughs> ha- exactly <laughs> that was 
your dream. No, no. <laughs> this, um, um, the architect of the hall is a great friend of ours, and that's an, all these connections that just kind of coalesce together. Uh, but absolutely, going back to the pianos, the fact these two resident Steinways are here, and in fact, there's a new, a new, be- beautiful new piano which has just arrived, which we were lucky enough to have actually selected for the hall. Uh, so that'll be making its first major appearance at our festival in October. You you talk about the piano as though it's a third person in the concert. Oh, third. Oh, oh definitely. Okay. Definitely no piano, so, no no piano, no concert. Well, yes, obviously, obviously. <laughs> no, but I'm I'm more uh, almost as though you personalise the piano. Do you personalise pianos? Do you have a personal Good connection question. with an instrument? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. it's it's. Um, because you can't take your instrument with you. That's no, but I mean, I I, I had a recording like a um, year, year and a half ago, and, and I was choosing a piano in Steinways to, to record my CD on, and, and the piano that I chose, it definitely, f- I, I just said it was the second piano I tried, and, and okay, this is it. Mm-hmm. You just, it is a personal thing, you know, something so like when sound. When recording a CD, uh, I've obviously not recorded a CD. I shouldn't go anywhere near a keyboard. But okay. when when recording a CD, you would go to a showroom and pick the piano that you want to play on. And not then necessarily. Not necessarily. Okay. Situ- yeah, but in my in, in that particular situation, I'm just talking about, you know, that it is personal, of course, taste. And, and actually, what I chose is not necessarily that Charles would choose or another pianist. I mean. Mm. Ob- it was an obviously fantastic piano, but even on that mm. level, also um, pianists have to choose the right instrument for the right repertoire. If you have that mm. luxury for recording, um, actually, this is a subject I'd love to stick with for a little bit longer because our relationship, uh, pianists' relationship to pianos, is extremely different from all virtually all other instrumentalists. I would say maybe organists and other keyboard players are in a similar uh, bracket. Uh, woodwind, brass strings, especially strings, they, they get very, very close to their own instrument. They travel everywhere with it, obviously. Yeah. It's part of them. It's a, thing in their life. It yeah. is, it's a portable thing. Yeah. It is. Also, it's held close to the body. And right. It's, yeah. it's a slightly different connection. Uh, the piano is, a, in a way, it's a more objective instrument. You know, oh, you can't sort of wrap your arms around it as you can with a. Uh, it, you, it's, it's slightly Actually, more. Actually, when you play for hands, it almost feels yeah. more intimate somehow. Yes, I know what you mean. I know, it does. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. Not least because um, there's hardly any space available. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just suddenly uh, uh, thought yes, about yeah. it being more kind of. Yes. But it, it, it's, I think so. A lot of pianists have a different relationship to the instrument. Having said that, there are those who travel with their own instrument. There's only a handful, I would say, in the world who travel with their own piano or have their very favourite pianos. Um, See, and that's yeah. interesting. When, when I hear you tell me that, yeah. I sort of think, God, I'm, it would surely feel a little bit like you're lugging loads of luggage around. I'm not yes. literally, no. but as yes. in, you, you know, you go where the piano goes, and that that. Mm. That would have a sort of a weird psychological effect on you. I can't imagine what it's like, actually. I can't it's imagine. So, it's so different from what we're used to. It's like always having a really yeah. bad friend with you all no, of the no. time. <laughs> but if the piano itself is wonderful, yeah. uh, I have actually experienced it a couple of times where the same piano has travelled in a, a van. This was once in Cornwall, once in Ireland. Something about something Celtic going on here. <laughs> and um, <laughs> The same absolute same piano which was a Steinway Model B so not a full size or six footage um, sounded totally different in about ten different venues as it travelled round and so it, ca- it, was, it was to do with the acoustic so is, it, is there an element of control with that then is it, is it good because 
actually because you can't take your instrument around with you as instrumentalists you have to be open to the idea of variables yeah absolutely i mean i actually enjoy the the you know we don't have to carry our instruments yeah. i mean i look at this forever stressed Mm. string players yeah. you know sort of worrying about checking in their instrument yeah. and then having a buzz or something yes. you know and yes. sounding right in this humidity mm. and, and sort of s there is something about possessing like having your own instrument with you everywhere you really obsess about mm. how it sounds all the time mm. and i think there's something about the piano being there it's like fate you know mm. you, you you i mean thankfully because now we have charles and i have sort of quite high quality concerts mm. we don't come across really poor pianos I mean which probably we did more in the past definitely know? so at least you know that you're going to get a good enough standard piano mm -hmm. and yes occasionally I think we both played on pianos we probably didn't like as mm -hmm. much mm -hmm. but I think there is something about well this is what it is mm. you're a professional pianist you it's should pragmatism. be able to yes yeah, it's but, almost I mean, kind of, yeah. but it's about thinking about music about color and you mm. are mm. you should be able to yeah. Yeah. produce it on, on yeah when I hear you, when I hear you say that, that makes me think that actually, in a way, as soloist you're, or instrumentalist, you're not responsible for the piano. No. You are merely. You, 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 you I mean, you are in terms of how you how yeah. you perform it, but but yeah. the, whereas a violinist will be ultimately responsible for all elements of the instrument in that moment, mm. actually, yeah. this is the thing that's just been served up to you, and you have to make the best of it. Mm. I mean, we have, uh, especially at the you know the highest level of dealing with amazing pianists for recordings or a big concert. There's always contact with the piano technician or a very good piano tuner. So that's a very important element uh, yeah. for string players. There is it called luthier the, that they have to regularly check in to various specialist um, yeah, string shops. In, in yes, so that's another <laughs> yes. very yeah. costly and. and yeah. uh, no, absolutely. So it's, I, I think that, you know, to wrap up this a little is that we have a much more objective, most pianists have a much more objective relationship to the to the instrument. And the plus side, as Katia was just hinting at, is that you, you can play the same work on different pianos and actually a piano can reveal a new facet to the piece that yes, you may never have thought of and that's really exciting. I, it's like meeting, I would compare it to meeting many, many different people. Right. Yeah. You know, if yeah, you say, so you're in a party or, and there's lots of different people in the room and you're chatting to them and you don't know any of them, you maybe know one or two of them, each one has something to offer. Some people you're going to connect with and want to spend ages with, others you're going to not connect with quite so well. Mm. You know? Yes, and I, I, yeah. I tend too. to go to more of those parties yeah. myself. Um, <laughs> That's uh, how yeah. I would compare. <laughs> Which suggests that either I'm not very sociable or <laughs> I just need to work on my social skills. Um, you are the festival is featuring a lot of Debussy. What mm. with it being a hundred years, yes. oh my God, I hope I've got that right. Yes. Well done, um, thank you very much. <laughs> I've done my research. Um, tell me what, how Debussy moves you. Oh, well, I just been practicing yesterday those absolutely incredible nocturnes that Charles and I are performing um, for two pianos arranged by Ravel. Oh, it's just most incredible sound world mm, colorful sensuous melancholic yeah. and visionary. just full of full of visionary mm. full of incredible imagination mm. 
the world you can kind of lose yourself in, I think. Yes, I mean, you asked us earlier about, you know, how do you feel leaving a wonderful performance when you've got a great audience? Uh, Debussy's music at its best can just literally lift you out of this world. Yeah, into hypnotic. Yeah, into a much world. more magical world. And that's one world which composers are very sad sometimes to leave. Uh, he, was, he was such a radical such an incredible brain on him as well as a, he was very sensual and he adored art um visual arts and literature uh, he adored life good food um you know women paris he just had the best of everything um even though he was pretty impecunious for most of his life impecunious i'm terribly sorry i don't understand what I mean. oh short I'm really of sorry. money short oh of money. okay oh well, then i yeah. well, he, he and i would I, relate I <laughs> I'm, I, I'm from russia so i mean i, I thought yeah, yeah. i wouldn't know such <laughs> and one of the things I'm I, very I, honest of you <laughs> and i immediately got away from debussy's music here but talking about the man well, I no, I think that's important. Yes, I, think I, I just adore about him is that even if he was really short of money, if he had a tiny bit of money, he'd go out and buy some you know, beautiful objet or something gorgeous for that for his little flat rather than... For spend. himself. Yes. <laughs> something, yeah, exactly. Great. I'm sure a lot of composers are quite self-obsessed. Yes, absolutely. Um, so... What would you, well, given that you clearly speak very warmly of Debussy, you're going to hate this. this yes. is, I'm almost embarrassed that okay. I'm asking this question. Go on, go but actually, it. if he was alive today yes. and you met him after a concert, you know, those rather awkward moments yes. after a concert with drinks and yeah, the sponsors yeah, yeah, yeah. are there, uh, what, would you, what would you want to say to him? It's so easy to fantasize about that kind of thing. Well, I if would you could try. Find him attractive. <laughs> I think you might well. Uh, yes. He was a very he was irresistible to women. He was. Was he? Yeah. In was fact, really? women yeah. were committing suicide over him. Well, what, uh, uh, well, some sure. tried. Yes. yes uh, uh, he uh, had. I mean, he wasn't sort of sort of good looking in a sort of a sort of stereotypical no. way nowadays. No. But he had that tremendous charisma, yes. and apparently he had this intense stare. Um, he, cha- he success changed him after the success of Pelias, his big opera before he suddenly had to kind of grow up very quickly and before then it was lots of late nights and bars and affairs and all the rest of it as well I'm as, assuming you know, absinthe yeah, I'm assuming I'm sure that absinthe was in there somewhere it came because into it, the because yeah. <laughs> how on yeah. earth could you write that music without without these having tried it a bit of that world I think but then he so after the success and suddenly more commissions more serious work to deliver he slightly retreated into himself and I think he would have been quite difficult to meet and quite difficult to talk to at a party later in life I would have probably have not gone up to him before <coughs> that as a young man I would definitely have gone up to him ah oh, so so in, in youth in in your yeah. I think in your impatient use, you yes. would have gone up to him and, and no, said, I think, uh, well, thinking about what he would have been like, I think he was a much more difficult man later in life, and he regretted losing that freedom. He wrote about it in letters. Mm. He l- really regretted being... He wanted the success. He craved it, and then w- w- what came with it was responsibility and a lot more hard work. Yeah. What can we expect from the London Piano Festival, please? Is that for me or Katya? Well, for either of you. I mean, you so know, can, can you're, you're the artistic directors, lots are you of not? Vibrant <laughs> yeah. music, some mm. incredible musicians. Yeah. And uh, of course, our two piano concert is. <laughs> our concert. Uh, <laughs> our festival's two piano concert <laughs> is full of uh, interesting personalities mm. and different pairings. Yes. Uh, we have an amazing jazz pianist. Mm. 
Leszek Mozer. Yes, well, everybody have to 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 hear. He was a revelation yeah. to both of us. Yeah. He's a huge, a huge star. Um, not just in Poland, his home home country, but here too has a massive following. Uh, I would say that each of the pianists we've invited to play has a huge personality and tremendous talent, and they're all very, very vibrant. They're all very, very different. Um, but are they a reflection of both of your personalities? Because I get quite, I, I, oh. I get quite. Um, I'm interested in how how we connect with other people, and so I wonder whether there is a there's a personal element to. Well, w the personal element is we both have to like the artist that we invite. So yes. obviously there is some. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think both of us like the variety of personalities. Mm. Otherwise, it wouldn't be interesting. Mm. One of definitely one of the good things about having two of us, um, we are very different, but also yeah. very compatible musically and personally, um, and that we. Some of the artists we both know, and we're just speaking of this year and the last two years, others Katia knows and I don't so much, and then all the other way around, and that adds an extra richness, I think, than if you have just one uh, musician choosing everybody. Mm. I think it's good to have that mixture. How are you know. different then? Well, I, think, <laughs> I mean, we come from different countries originally, yeah. and yes. there are a lot of things mm. coming with it, some mentality and... and um, you know, me, maybe dark Russian soul. Mm. Okay, <laughs> she said laughing. Also, yeah, exactly, <laughs> but that's my irony, that's my Jewish uh, Right, okay. Yeah. A lot of right. irony, so maybe that's something a bit different from you, Charles. Yeah, I don't think I have ir irony in my so much in my personality. Okay, um, you look almost apologetic about that. Do I? I, I know. you need to be, <laughs> <laughs> really. Um, um, so I you're not ironic. No, but I, I, lots of humour. We, right. we both, uh, we, we laugh a lot, and, we, and also when we're working, we, we can. that's one of the best things. We have never, I swear, this and I'm sure Katya will back me up. We've never had a tense moment no. in a rehearsal, or so where rare. it's just whereas most musicians, there's always what some do you point. describe? What would be a tense moment? Not just disagreement or, or not being yeah. able to take criticism because that's the yes. hardest thing for rehearsing with other people mm. that they're you know sort of very whereabouts, sort mm. of not criticizing but suggesting something because yes. it may sound like a criticism and something yeah. they don't like in another person's playing as as when, whenever we play with Charles we never I don't think we ever think of our own egos when no. we rehearse it's it, it's completely we just both so much want to play the best we can to bring yeah. justice to music definitely. as much as we can you're working in yeah. the service of the music definitely I mean that's what the it ultimate really works for us yeah it does we, just, we love discussing things and yeah. pushing each other totally and we challenge each other and we surprise each other with what we can do and sometimes you think well we wouldn't be able to achieve that and actually it's possible and yeah. the, I, we, we've both discuss this with various musicians one works with sometimes it's just this divine connection and it's just amazing as Katya was describing with Ravel trio a, a moment ago um, other people it's like two cogs that they, are, they will never mesh together they're turning but they are not they are not clicking together and, and it, can you see that on the platform uh, often professionalism hides it in my opinion yeah. but you you can yeah, but it, it can what be do you see when when people when are not when they're not meshing, mm, how would you describe it? Well, like each person mm. plays in in their own style. Mm. They can be interesting and, and good mm. in their own right, but there is something about them doesn't quite blend. Sometimes actually they can be even not ensemble wise, not always mm. very good. You yes, know, it's kind of just doesn't. Mm -hmm. It sounds like an instinctive thing. Yeah, and sometimes, I mean, you know, frankly, I sometimes feel even the best, most famous musicians, they get mm. together in some festivals, and mm. I name them, 
and they sort of that they have this this kind of big egos thing mm. and they play they're clearly brilliant in their own right mm. but sometimes i actually think you know i really don't don't like this performance it's mm. it's not about the music it's yeah. it doesn't quite work together mm. you're just a few brilliant musicians each playing you know Mm. and saying this is me you know I'm, mm. you know mm. Mm. and the way i see music rather Definitely. than you know and it can be very com combati combative in and some it can be very when it i mean in a way very exciting because you mm. know they're still very good but they don't necessarily blend very well or, or, or musically mm. Mm. make the best performance of that piece i think okay. clearly that is not going to happen in october hopefully <laughs> not <laughs> well in a, 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 i mean the thing we should point out is that well, there's lots of solo recitals too yep. and lots of solo pieces so in that this whole conversation does not apply we're talking mm. about yeah. we're in partnership um the second another human being is added there's that new dimension and the more people you add that's why quartets often have a very difficult time and there are so many different cross paths but that's a whole other conversation <laughs> uh, tell me the dates of the festival, please. This is me testing Ooh, okay. you. Okay, you are artistic, and yes, I'm not sir. going no, to no, give no, you no. the leaflet. <laughs> we start on the third of October, Wednesday, and we're going through till Sunday, the seventh of October. Yes, I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there anything else you'd like to tell me that I haven't asked you um, about the some of the individual artists mm. who are playing? Um, well, there are, we are thrilled to have uh, two of the most exciting young uh, Russian pianists in the world uh, performing. We have uh, Pavel Kolesnikov, and he is such an interesting guy. He's doing a w great combination of Louis Couperin, a Couperin French harpsichordist, uh, and, but Louis is less well-known than Francois. So he's starting with a uh, Couperin harpsichord suite on the piano, followed by one of the masterpieces of the repertoire, Schumann's Fantasy, which is like the echt ultimate romantic piano piece. Um, um, and then he's being joined by uh, Samson Tsoi, is a great name, Ooh. and uh, they're going to be playing Shostakovich and uh, also more Schumann, arranged by Debussy together. Wow. Yeah, so they're two people. Who is would you like to mention? Oh, they're playing Stravinsky. Yes, of course they are. Oh, no. <laughs> you are now testing each other. Yes, okay. <laughs> what did I say? What did I, I say? Shostakovich. Okay. Is this what we're I calling know. a tense moment? I know what it was. We considered Shostakovich, and yeah, then that's no, right. No, no, no. no, it's right. Stravinsky. I think you've been waiting for that moment. Yes, you have. You have. Who else are you particularly looking forward to? Well, Konstantin Lifshitz is my old friend who is performing on... Thursday. Thursday. <laughs> Suddenly, yeah. I'm getting yes. very yeah. <laughs> uh, worried about it, and, and yeah. um, he's uh, uh, he studied the sa same school as me in Moscow, mm. Nesin School, and he's particularly known for his Bach performances and recordings. He, I attended his Wigmer Hall recital a couple of years back with Art of Fugue, uh, all the Art of Fugue playing from memory, which is already an enormous achievement <laughs> in for me, you know. But um, he's a fascinating character so mm. and he's doing some Schubert and Janacek yeah. oh now you're chatting yes. on you I can tell uh, <laughs> and of course uh, Debussy he's doing yes. um, I heard him play about 10 years ago in a festival in Ireland and I was absolutely blown away I'm just so thrilled that he's coming to give that a full evening recital on the, the Thursday the 4th the um, um, 
we should yes. uh, probably just mention the ch uh, children's concert. Absolutely. Really this highlight. is the Nutcracker. Yes. Is that right? Yes. yes. The children's concert. Now, this is something you haven't yet seen, but I have. Um, is even concerts, maybe. It's, it's more like a show. And I'll just give you my impression of it. So Alex Alexander Dariescu, um, who I've known for quite a long time at the Guildhall School. We're both... Um, on the faculty um, she's, create, she's always loved Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker as a child and she's always loved dancing um, oh yeah so she's playing the Nutcracker suite uh, on, as a solo piano version which works beautifully uh, arranged by Mikhail Pletnyov I think and, as well as other pieces and she has a real life ballerina on stage with her but most importantly is the entire thing and this is where my lack of technical knowledge will fail me but you're sitting in the audience and it, they are wonderful sort of graphics so you've got um, moving figures appearing on the stage uh, characters out of the Nutcracker out of the ballet um, this, at the beginning well I won't spoil it I won't tell everyone what they're going to see at the beginning this, I think I I've heard about this at the yeah. Guildhall Entrepreneur Scheme. Exactly. I think she was part of the Creative Entrepreneur Scheme. She absolutely was. So that's where that's, that came from. She launched the show at Christmas last year at the Guildhall School at Milton Court. Um, it was enormously successful, very magical, very unusual to have live mm. dancer and piano with all these wonderful moving projected. I th I'm using the word graphics. I'm sure I'm wrong. On no, that. I think it's perfectly acceptable is to it, use the word graphics. Okay. I'm not sitting here internally no. going, oh my God, what did <laughs> Um, <coughs> others might be, but let's not worry about that. But the, the effect is magical, and it will bring the story alive for children and, and adults alike. And uh, I really hope that we have a packed-out uh, hall for that. Be. We should well do. It's such a special occasion. And that's ending the Sunday. Thanks to Charles and Katia for speaking to me for this Thoroughly Good podcast. The London Piano Festival begins on Wednesday the 3rd of October with concerts every day until Sunday the 7th. Tickets are £9.50, but if you're a student, there is little as a fiver. Please rate, like and share this podcast from Spotify or iTunes. You can also find it on Audioboom. If you'd like to get in touch, please email me, john.jacob at thoroughlygood.me or contact me via Twitter where you will find me at thoroughlygood.